Welcome to Reading the One-Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal, and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a One-Year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook, and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button, share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is July 27th, and that means it is day 208 of the one-year Bible. Day 208 is going to start us out in 2 Chronicles chapter 19. And if you want to get turned there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for our time together, for your word, for uh, this fellowship, for the podcast, and we are grateful for it. We ask that your Holy Spirit would live in us and breathe through us and give us a proper and right understanding of your word today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, starting out in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace in Jerusalem. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate Yahweh? Because of this, wrath is on you from before Yahweh. Nevertheless, there are good things found in you, in that you have put away the Asheroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to Yahweh, the God of their fathers. He set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Consider what you do, for you don't judge for man, but for Yahweh, and he is with you in the judgment. Now therefore, let the fear of Yahweh be on you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with Yahweh our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites, priests, and heads of the fathers' households of Israel to give judgment for Yahweh and for controversies. They returned to Jerusalem. He commanded them, saying, You shall do this in the fear of Yahweh, faithfully and with a perfect heart. Whenever any controversy comes to you from your brothers who dwell in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and ordinances, you must warn them that they not be guilty toward Yahweh, and so wrath come on you and on your brothers. Do this, and you will not be guilty. Behold, Amariah the chief priest is over you in all matters of Yahweh, and Zebediah the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, in all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and may Yahweh be with the good. Next we continue with Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. 
After this, the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them some of the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then some came who told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. Behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was alarmed and set himself to seek to Yahweh. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered themselves together to seek help from Yahweh. They came out of all the cities of Judah to seek Yahweh. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in Yahweh's house before the new court. And he said, Yahweh, the God of our fathers, aren't you God in heaven? Aren't you ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one is able to withstand you. Didn't you, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the offspring of Abraham, your friend, forever? They lived in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If evil comes on us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned away from them and didn't destroy them. Behold, how they reward us to come to cast us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah stood before Yahweh with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then Yahweh's spirit came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, of the sons of Asaph, in the middle of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat. Yahweh says to you, Don't be afraid, and don't be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they are coming up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of Yahweh with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid, nor be dismayed. Go out against them tomorrow, for Yahweh is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before Yahweh, worshipping Yahweh. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, with an exceedingly loud voice. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh your God, so you will be established. Believe his prophets, so you will prosper. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to Yahweh and give praise in holy array as they go out before the army and say, Give thanks to Yahweh, for his loving kindness endures forever. When they began to sing and to praise, Yahweh set ambushers against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were struck. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. When they had finished the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy each other. When Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked at the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth. 
and there were none who escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their plunder, they found among them in abundance both riches and dead bodies with precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. They took plunder for three days. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled themselves in Barakah Valley, for there they blessed Yahweh. Therefore, the name of that place was called Barakah Valley to this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat in front of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for Yahweh had made them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, harps, and trumpets to Yahweh's house. The fear of God was on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that Yahweh fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. So Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 35 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. He walked in the way of Asa, his father, and didn't turn away from it, doing that which was right in Yahweh's eyes. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people had still not set their hearts on the God of their fathers. Now, now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, behold, they are written in the history of Jehu the son of Hanani, which is included in the book of the kings of Israel. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel. The same did very wickedly. He joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. They made the ships in Ezion-Geber. Then Eleazar, the son of Dodavahu of Mereshah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have joined yourself with Ahaziah, Yahweh has destroyed your works. The ships were wrecked, so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Next, we are going into the New Testament. We are now in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they didn't all listen to the glad news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, didn't they hear? Yes, most certainly. Their sound went out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, didn't Israel know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy with that which is no nation. I will make you angry with a nation void of understanding. Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I was revealed to those who didn't ask for me. But about Israel, he says, all day long I stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Next, we are continuing in Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 1. I ask then, did God reject his people? May it never be. For I also am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God didn't reject his people, whom he foreknew. Or don't you know what the scripture says about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have broken down your altars. I am left alone, and they seek my life. But how does God answer him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, too, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. 
What then, that which Israel seeks for, that he didn't obtain, but the chosen ones obtained it, and the rest were hardened? According as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. David says, Let their table be made a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, always keep their backs bent. I ask then, did they stumble that they might fall? May it never be, but by their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now if their fall is the riches of the world, and their loss the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And now we're going back into the Old Testament. We are in Psalm 21, starting in verse 1. The king rejoices in your strength, Yahweh. How greatly he rejoices in your salvation. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him, even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation. You lay honor and majesty on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with joy in your presence. For the king trusts in Yahweh. Through the loving kindness of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all of your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a fiery furnace in the time of your anger. Yahweh will swallow them up in his wrath. The fire shall devour them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from among the children of men. For they intended evil against you. They plotted evil against you which cannot succeed. For you will make them turn their back when you aim drawn bows at their face. Be exalted, Yahweh, in your strength. So we will sing and praise your power. Lastly, we are finishing with Proverbs chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the winter, therefore he shall beg in harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many men claim to be men of unfailing love, but who can find a faithful man? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and for your word, for this fellowship. We thank you that you have given us this moment in time to be able to freely share your word with a lost world. We pray that many seeds would be planted by this and that many ears would hear. Uh, we ask for help and healing for those of our friends and family that have lost loved ones. We pray for Danny and Imelda as they mourn over Imelda's mom. We pray for Penny and the loss of her husband. We pray for Jeffrey, who lost his wife, Diana. Terry and Delilah lost their son, and they're having their funeral tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you would um, comfort all these. Give them peace. Let them know that you're there, that you're calling out to them to cry out to you. We pray for healing for our loved ones. Pray for those with cancer. We pray for Shirley, for Richard, Calvin, and Lawrence. We pray that you would heal their cancer completely, that you would cure them of it, and that you would protect them from the after effects of any treatments or procedures. We pray that you would give their physicians just supernatural perception into their situations, and we pray that they would make good choices going forward. 
We pray for those with heart disease. We pray for Sue and Stephanie, Ralph and George. Uh, we pray for myself and for my dad. And we pray that these hearts would be healed and restored completely, that you would cause um, cures for all of these issues, Lord, be it heart failure, AFib, uh, any of those other conditions, Lord, and the collateral damage that the heart can do to other organs. Pray that you would heal them as well. I pray for those with stroke. Pray for my mom and my sister. And pray for Rudy and Rob and Chris. We thank you for those who have apparently been healed and restored. Um, God, you are able to work miracles. You created a brain that is a just a, a magical, amazing thing that that is only within your power. And we pray that you would restore these others as well. Bring back their their uh, bring back their function of speech and walking and ability to do things. Now pray that you would influence them emotionally as well, because stroke can take a heavy toll. Pray for those with uh, tremors. Pray for um, Richard and myself. Pray that the doctors could get to the bottom of it and figure it out and influence progress. Pray for those with broken bones. I pray for my dad with his broken leg, for Aunt Loretta with her wrist and her hand and her forearm and all, all that stuff is just busted up. I pray for Sherry for a continued massive healing in her finger. It's amazing the progress that she's made, how messed up it was and how great it is now. And I look forward to just watching you um, continue to do your work and heal those bones. And pray for those relationships, that those uh, couples that we've been praying for. Pray for those that have moved on. I pray that you would heal their hearts and allow them to make wise decisions going forward, wise relationship decisions. Pray for their um, prosperity in their household and their relationship. Pray for those that are struggling and fighting for their relationships. I pray that you would heal those rifts and uh, cause repentance and forgiveness to reign supreme in their households. I pray for our kids. For a few in particular, I pray that this world would not draw them in. I pray that as they, as these kids go out into the world, they see that the world is like a grouper fish, like an angler fish with a sparkly, glowy thing hanging out there in front of them, looking to draw them in so that the jaws of death can swallow them up. And I pray that they would see the world this way so that they would run to you where there is still waters green pastures, where there's peace even in adversity, where there's peace even when the world condemns us. I pray that uh, your fortress, your wings would be the shelter that they would seek and not the approval of people. I want to pray for our evangelists and missionaries. I pray for those that are going out on the street today and speaking your word, that they're speaking your truth, that they are speaking your words and not their own. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take them over and light a fire under all these people that are exposed to the truth. I pray that they would be given prosperity in their households. I pray that they would be blessed with abundance to provide so that they can freely spread your word. I pray that they would lack nothing. I pray that even if they go out with just a with not even not even a walking stick and a and a jacket, I pray that there would they would lack nothing. 
that they would want for nothing. And I pray for those first responders that are going out into harm's way, getting in the way of violence, getting in the way of bullets, getting in the way of disaster. I pray that as they go out to dig through the rubble, as they go out to fight our fights for us, that you would rescue and save them as you do us. And I pray that their households would be blessed for it. I pray that you would look out for their welfare. And I pray that you would comfort their family as they leave in the morning and bless their family as they come home at night. I also want to pray for Israel. I pray that as the world turns against them, as nation after nation condemns them and calls them all sorts of things, pray that you would reveal that your son, you would reveal through the word that you've already spoken, pray that you would use ministers and missionaries and evangelists to teach Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. I pray that they would know it in their heart and that they would be saved. As the world turns against them, they are still your promised people. They are still your special apple of your eye. And I pray that they would know that you cared that much that you sent your son and Jesus died on the cross for them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I just say, I think Jehoshaphat has the coolest name. It's just unique. It flows right off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) In a very crooked way, yes. Seems like he does really well for a while, and then he aligns himself with somebody that's evil and gets in trouble, and then he does well again for a while. Yeah, he's getting in trouble with God because he's helping out people who hate God. Right. As a wise man recently said, why should we pay people to hate us when they should be able to hate us for free? (laughs) Very good point. I think Jehoshaphat does what we all do, and I feel like that is, I think he He's really legitimately chasing after God. Absolutely. And I think that he makes compromises for what he thinks will benefit Jerusalem, what he thinks will benefit Israel. Mm-hmm. Because there is a certain amount of politics, but God is uncompromising and God is not allowing him to compromise. So he calls him out on it. Exactly. I mean, in politics, there's always always compromise unless you're a totalitarian type of leader. But God, Yahweh, is not a politician. No, he is not. He is not elected. He is not not an elected official or representative. In fact, he doesn't represent you. Exactly. You are supposed to represent him. He does Mm -hmm. not represent you. He does go before you. (laughs) Yes. And he does fight your battles and he does fight for you, but he does not represent you. That would be stupid. Exactly. Exactly. He is creator God. Can you imagine how much God would have to dumb himself down in order to represent the people of Earth? Okay, a politician Mm -hmm. is supposed to be your elected representative, right? He's supposed to represent his constituents. Yeah. Have a group of people say, let's say the state of Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Uh And the state of Massachusetts has many, many faces. Uh So imagine how much God would have to dumb himself down to be an icon, an avatar, a representative of the people of Earth, of anybody on Earth. My uh, finite human brain can't even wrap my thoughts around how extreme that is. It's uh, not possible. (laughs) Correct. Yet we represent him so imperfectly, yet he still loves us. That's an amazing thing. So Jehoshaphat is is really being told that he's supposed to 
rule over Israel, judge over Israel, solve controversies, and kind of ignore politics Mm -hmm. and just be faithful to God, and God will take care of the rest. That's what I'm getting out of this. Pursue God. Don't pursue relationships with other countries. Don't pursue war. Pursue God. Seek his face, and he's going to take care of all that. Boy, that's hard to buy. It is. They don't want to think that way. But then... God tells them that this this battle that they're going to go into is not for mm-hmm. them. He's going to handle it. I, I love how this is phrased, okay? Uh-huh. That the people helped by destroying each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they had finished the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy each other, okay? The Ammonites, the Moabites, all these people were supposed to be people that Israel destroyed on their way into the promised land. Exactly. Quest mm-hmm. to take over the promised land. They were supposed to destroy all these people, but they've made they've made alliances that have compromised their ability to dominate the territory. Mm-hmm. As well as led them into worshiping false gods. That is a strange phrase, though. Everyone helped to destroy each other. <laughs> they destroyed... The the inhabitants of Mount Seir. And now they're looking at each other and going, what do we do now? Oh, I know. <laughs> I just imagine this, which is me, my wild imagination. So I know you don't want to kill those two because they're your distant cousins and you might hear about it later. So I'll kill them and then you can kill me. And then, you know, my brother Timmy can kill you. And then how about you just mortally wound me so that I have time to also kill you? Yeah. And then by the mm-hmm. time the Israelites get here, I'll be dead, too. <laughs> Sound like a deal? I mean, we're both going to die. <laughs> yeah. And none who escaped. I, I just have to say that that verse where they helped. I, that's just my favorite verse of this whole situation. Yeah. Literally jumped out at me. You imagine, though, you're expecting to have some participatory value in this activity that's happening. Mm-hmm. Know that God says he's going to fight this battle for you. Right. He's going to take care of it for you. But, I mean, how realistic is that? And when you get there, like, there's nothing but dead bodies and loot. Right. Three days of collecting. That is an immense amount of help. Yeah. And that they couldn't carry it all was more than they could carry. And this is even right after Jehoshaphat just got scolded for making an alliance with somebody who is against God. Right. When God's looking at his heart. And then he goes and makes an alliance with the king of of Israel because Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. Right. And he goes and makes an alliance with Haziel and Haziel's doing evil. And he draws Jehoshaphat into the scheme that he has. And again, Mm -hmm. God is going to let him have it for having allied himself with this evil king. Right. And that's even with that evil king being the king of God's chosen people, Israel. Exactly. <laughs> it is, it's a complicated situation. I find it interesting that Paul in Romans here is, he's speaking to the Romans, but he's mostly teaching them about the Old Testament. He's using the Old Testament to to debate the, the gospel, mm-hmm. um, which is something that you would expect him to do, as as I said yesterday, with Old Testament Jews. Right. But this is something that is that is important to know is that it's part of why I don't walk around with a bunch of Gospel of John's. Uh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Because I'm kind of of the school of thought that the the New Testament, this is going to sound bad. <laughs> Oftentimes, the things that I say, even if they are correct, sound bad. I am of the school of thought that maybe the New Testament is meaningless without the Old Testament. I don't find that harsh or incorrect in any way. Because what is that phrase? It's the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed or something like that. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. I think that when you're speaking, in this case, Paul is speaking to the Romans. So they are a definitely a pagan nation, right? Yes, absolutely. So they believe in many gods, these false mm-hmm. gods, the um, the Romans and the Greeks. Mm-hmm. He believes, I think he, I think Paul believes that he has to lay this foundation of the truth of the Old Testament, kind of like Ken Ham focuses all his energy on Genesis. Yes. Teaching the truth of the foundation of the world, the foundational truth of creation, mm-hmm. so that when people are hearing him speak, they have context for the God that he is talking about. Right. Because otherwise, it's like, oh, here's somebody presenting yet another God. Mm-hmm. No, if you believe in the story of Genesis, if you teach the story of Genesis, this is not another God. This is the only God. Correct. And laying the good foundation that he does in the first, you know, 11 chapters of Genesis sets the, it just makes it really clear what the New Testament is saying too. I mean, it's just all connected. And then if you question the first 11 chapters of Genesis, then what basis do you have to believe the rest of the word? That is what Paul's doing here too. It's like, okay, you guys believe in all of this. Here, I'm quoting it to you. And here, look who it's pointing to. But you don't want to believe that part. So an interesting thing to contrast with this is the teachings of Jesus. So when Jesus was speaking to the Jews, he would speak Mm -hmm. to them out of the Old Testament. Right. He would teach them in the synagogues, but also out in the field. Mm -hmm. He would teach them by parables, but then he would make references to Isaiah and other prophets. He, He would make these these statements out of the Old Testament when he was speaking to Jews. Then when he was speaking to Gentiles, when he was speaking to uh, Samaritans, or if he was speaking to the Romans, uh, he didn't try to teach them out of the Old Testament. Right. He just would come to them and his very existence would prove to them that he was the son of God. Mm -hmm. It was like you had a one-on-one experience with the living God. And when he's standing there in front of you, you you can't exactly say, yeah, Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, all of their their false gods and their idols didn't give them that experience that they got facing the living God. The Jews are mostly obstinate that they they reject Jesus because he claims to be the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just find that to be kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. I could read through this several times and probably glean a whole lot out of it. There's a lot of context and multiple layers to his teachings. I just thought it's that at the end of chapter 11, but by their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. I just um, find that really interesting that God deliberately is, excuse me, trying to make them jealous, the Jews jealous. And Paul has this one last little snippet to say here. Now, Mm -hmm. in fall is the riches of the world and their loss, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So Paul is in so many words saying the replacement theology is BS. Absolutely. 
Nailed it. Let's, yep. He is saying that while yeah. you can be saved because the gospel has come to you because the Jews rejected it, mm-hmm. how much more are you going to be blessed when, not if, mm-hmm. God takes his, his cherished, chosen people into his bosom and blesses them in all of the fullness that he has chosen to do? Yes. How much more are you, the Gentile, going to be blessed when, not if, they are taken into his gates, mm-hmm. given his abundant blessing? There's a richness in there that I'm not sure we can fully comprehend this side of that. Yeah, I don't think we can. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, you already get to have a glorified body mm-hmm. because of this loss. You get to have the magnificence of the mansion in heaven that God has for you. You get to have these streets of gold and these mm-hmm. gates of pearl and uh, you get to see giant onyx stones. You get to, <laughs> get to see these these magnificent things. You get to have those every day in your life for eternity, eternity. because of this. You already get to have that. How much better is it going to be as a result of God bringing his culture Mm-hmm. chosen people his culture because he put down the laws he created the festivals he created the offerings he yeah. created all of these things how much more are we going to be blessed by being introduced full on drinking from the fire hose god's <laughs> chosen mm-hmm. culture that he has mm-hmm. been. It's gonna be amazing it is it is glorious it'll be glorious I'm reading this uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the winter. Therefore, he shall beg and harvest and have nothing. If you know anybody that has a ranch or a farm, mm-hmm. you know that the lights don't go out just because the snow is falling. Exactly. Ranchers and farmers have one of the hardest jobs there is. When it's 20 degrees outside, they're still out there trying to break ground. Mm-hmm. Or 120. Yeah. They're out there watering or harvesting or because it won't wait. Yep. All of these proverbs today are really good. I've just been kind of thinking about them. Yeah, I think for myself, how this applies to me right right now, mm-hmm. this this particular proverb, I hurt my back this week. I hurt it pretty bad this week. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had x-rays done yesterday and it doesn't look like I fractured anything. Oh, good. It doesn't look like there's any major trauma other than the muscles reacted and said, oh, hell no. um, because of this like this whole uh strategy to get my home business going Mm -hmm. kind of had a massive slowdown like just the other day i was i was commenting to myself how it took me an hour from the time that i got out of bed to the time that i was able to sit down in front of the computer and start working Mm -hmm. and i was like that's ridiculous i didn't even have to go to work i didn't have to drive to work that's ridiculous right (laughs) right and i i this how this applies to me is like for a long time i have not been able to work a full-time job because of my afib and because of a variety of other things Mm -hmm. mostly because of my afib but if you won't work during your hard times like even when you're at your worst if you won't do what you can do right 
this is speaking really just to me. I mm-hmm. I feel like the the scripture is alive and it knows who you are and it's yeah. to you individually. So it is speaking to me individually and saying to me, right now you are you are disabled. You are down for the count. You have been mm-hmm. you've been knocked knocked out. To me, it's saying if you're if you will not do whatever it is that you can do, right? Which may not mm-hmm. be much, but if you don't do everything that you can do when you are able to move forward, there won't be much there. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's how it's speaking to me. So what's your game plan today? Um, Main plan is to do stuff around the house, which I got quite a bit done the last couple days, and I have an ultrasound this afternoon to find out what is going wrong with my girl parts. So that's kind of mentally taking a huge load on me right now. Um, And that is about it. How about you? Uh, me, I'm going to shoot a video probably in about an hour. It's going to be an instructional like training video. And then I will probably shoot a promotional video, edit down the podcast and program the radio station. Okay. That's all I got today. Cool. Are you still that heat dome? Heat wind oh yeah. There's- it's, it's like... I got my air conditioning on, hasn't kicked in, but it is it is sweat inducing currently right now. <laughs> and I'm in the lower floor, so I'm pretty well isolated from it. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty. Anyway, you guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sherry, for reading along with me each day. God bless you guys. We'll be back again tomorrow around 10-ish or so-ish Pacific time, live here in Jitsi, and then, of course, later on in the podcast form. So we will catch you tomorrow. And if you don't find us here, look for us in the sky. In the sky. Chewie says bye-bye. 